Hello and welcome to the NRL Supercoach Champions podcast. I'm Joe Fitz. Well, it only took four weeks for PVL to realise that there weren't enough headlines about him, so he's going to start meddling with the game we know and love. Here to help us talk through that and many more things is a man who started with dill bags and won't stop talking about it. It's Wilf. How good is dill bags, eh? <laughs> I'm uh, responding to that through gritted teeth, mate, because I was definitely off him. But uh, yeah, him and Moses both on fire, hey? Yeah, that, I definitely think the Moses one I was a bit surprised about because he was kind of going a bit quiet, but then just exploded last week. But yeah, Dillbags finally uh, rewarding me for my for my loyalty and patience there as well. Yeah, and I said, uh, you know, the para, para obviously on fire, a man who is not on fire to the point he's renamed uh, himself Tim Maguire after his Tigers-like start to the season. It's 2021 champ. Tim Moody, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm okay. We're struggling. We are struggling. Uh, it's tough in camp. Uh, the boys just, you know, desperate for a win. I think I'm coming last almost in nearly every head-to-head comp. It's it's not pretty, man. And um, I just keep hoping that the next week will be better and it's just not happening. So, Well, you say that it's, you know, not getting better and you're doing terribly, mate. Tell us how, how you went last week and, and where you are overall. Okay, so I, I scored 1,220. I'm ranked... 20k i took the the captaincy off pappy because i have issues reading a weather prediction properly i only look at the emoji pictures i've never ever you may have convinced me to take the c off pappy as well and go to teddy but yeah (laughs) i've never ever understood any of the things to do with the clouds and the pitches and the swells and all that sort of stuff but even the basic weather report I don't read into how many millimetres or, or or know what's a lot of millimetres of rain. So I just seen that there was a cloud symbol with rain and panicked and decided to Captain Teddy instead and it's been Plus really a tough. Few points. Yeah, yeah, it's really hurting. 1220 for you, 1252 for me after my shocking start to the season. I'm up to 29,000th overall, which is about 150 points behind you, Wilf, uh, 1310 for you. Yeah, so I was uh, happy enough to captain Pappenhausen and I said I was going to do that all week, so glad I stuck with my gut there. And uh, yeah, it's it's getting tight for sure because even though I'm in 13,000s, there's only 260 points to the top 1,000. And what's funny is so Guy is slightly ahead of me. Uh, he scored 1332. He's in 11,000 overall. He's only 19 points ahead of me. So... 19 points is about 2,000 spots around where I am. Wow. So it, it's really not uh, – it's not going to take much to kind of keep going up, presuming, obviously, we can keep scoring well. But, you know, we've all climbed massively as much as we uh, – and that's probably more testament to how low we started. Yeah, but true. Look, it, it, as long as we go on green arrows, that's all I'm caring about right now. How did our champs do, mate? Yeah, no, we've got some really good uh, champs who are flying. Uh, shout out to Rob, who's coach of Rudy Duties. Currently sitting 198th, so he's in pole position for our $500 champs only bonus and followed closely behind by Jared, coach of Pink Sox in 364th and Daniel, coach of Dodgers, Dodgers in 394th. So, you know, we started off slow, but the champs are climbing up the leaderboard and that's reflected in the leagues as well. We're starting to see some of our champions leagues uh, sneaking about. We've got one in the top 20 now, so a quick shout-out to the uh, Champions 20 Head-to-Head 1 League, which I am actually part of, so cool. (laughs) I'm in the top 20 leagues, yay. A chance at some glory. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> All right, enough of that, guys. Let's take a look at the news for the week. So I'll start off with some Supercoach relevant news. Uh, a lot of excitement a little bit earlier this afternoon when Tommy Sankster and Rob Sutherland, they dropped an article uh, basically announcing some names potentially for at the end of round five, start of round six. We've been talking about it since the preseason, but that's the first round of dual position player additions. So if you recall round six, 12 and 18, we're going to see three times this season where they're going to add a little bit to the dual positions basically. So there's five names here, Josh King, Alec McDonald, Jason Tamalolo, Sam Walker, and Fletcher Baker, who at the end of round five, so start of next round, will be able to be swapped around. So Josh King, you know, he's currently front row forward only. He's going to be added to second row forward uh, positioning, so that's really good because he's been playing lock. Alec McDonald's been on the bench for the Storm coming off, but he was second row forward only. He's going to be front row forward as well now since he's coming on to play prop. Obviously, Lolo. You know, he's been named at the 13 uh, at, at lock a lot. Of, he's obviously second row forward only at the moment, but he's played prop twice in the final team list and good chance he does that again this week. So they're adding that for him there. Now, Sam Walker, obviously halfback only at the moment, but he's been playing 5 eighth every round. So that was a pretty, we, we expected that one. And Fletcher Baker, bench forward for the Roosters. He's second row forward only, but playing bench prop off the bench. So front row forward being added to him. A little bit of disappointment, uh, CSFA Talakai, who played center wing, who played center last round, uh, not going to get the addition as of round six. So there's there's a potential if he keeps playing center, though, that he may end up uh, getting that dual position in round 12. Unfortunately, that's a little bit down the track there. But, you know, any excitement from these dual position ads? Anything ex- unexpected for you guys? Well, firstly, clearly Rob Sutherland was not on the judging panel because Talakai, one of his favourites, didn't get that duel. Um, pretty sure <laughs> that was uh, Tommy Sankster getting him back for the sins in the past, I think. But um, no big surprises there. I think, you know, it's a new feature uh, to Supercoach this year, so they want to be fairly conservative with it just to make sure it doesn't kind of break the game too much. And I probably tend to agree that they're not going, you know, triple position players as well because then yeah. it starts getting a bit silly. So there would have otherwise been quite a few players like a Jake Avarillo or someone like that that already w- was dual position, but, you know, they weren't going to add that third. Yeah, they made it clear. No no additions uh, if they've already got dual position, even if they have, like, say, as you say, Avarillo, uh, having halfback 5'8", but he's playing centre. So they're not going to add that, basically. They're not going to change any of the existing positions. And yeah, they're also not going to take away. So those are some key rules that they've introduced and, and clarified now. So that's good to know. Um, Timmy, any of these names excite you? Uh, none of them really excite me. I think some that stand out is Lolo might be a handy play um, for people who own him in the prop position, more so than the second row. And um, Sam Walker might be a nice pickup at some point in the year at 5'8". I've let him go already early in the year after only in pre-season. But I could see him finding a spot. You know, if I wanted to have Hines and Cleary eventually as my halves, I could see it being maybe Munster and Sam Walker or Sam Walker and Cody Walker or just depending on the flows. But actually, it might be hard to fit him into because I think it might be better to have Cody and Munster. If possible, we'd need to see a bit bit of an increase in the output basically before he even factors in. Even yeah, at five big eight. time, big time. I think it'll happen. Those big scores will come for him, but I think there'll be a bit few and far between for me at the moment to make him a priority 
he was definitely on the chopping block for me this week. I was been a little bit slow to moving on, but knowing that he's about to go dual halfback five eighth, I actually think he's assuming he does pick it up a little. Um, the perfect kind of third uh, third half there, sitting behind Cleary and Munster, or you know who are, or Cleary. Cody Walker, someone like that. So, you know, at least until your final teams when, mm. you know, you want to go with guns. So for me, it's actually turning from a trade out this week to someone that if I had thought about it, I would have known it was coming anyway. But but as, as someone to, to carry as a third half, maybe until the buyers and, and see how he goes. But, you know, we're, we're talking about, um, you know, some of these positional changes and, and the impact on the game. Tim, keen to understand, you know, PVL started to meddle. He's gotten a bit bit itchy with uh, the lack of his name in the bright lights, mate. Do, do you think his you know rhetoric through the week is going to change things for Supercoach? I'm actually hoping you can bring me up to speed with that. I, I'm, I must have missed the the headlines. What's he sort of been saying? Is he, he's going to crack down on something? He doesn't like the the, the hip drops or something like that, is it? Well, Wilf, I'll let you take it away, but essentially it's just a whinge that rugby league coaches dare play the game in a way that doesn't fit his st- heavily stylized version of the game. That's about right, Wilf. Yeah, I mean, basically he's come out and pretty much said that he's cracking down on the wrestle, it's coming back, I've been keeping a close eye on it, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. It's just really funny because two weeks ago, literally, he was talking about, oh, I think we've got the balance right, the game's in a good spot, the contest is back, et cetera, and then two weeks later, he's obviously backflipped on that. It's just a, a bit you know, reactionary, honestly, mm. and it's just weird because we saw this this round, there were two blowouts. It's not like attacking footies disappeared. Yes, uh, I think we do remember the Titans and the Tigers. That was not a fun game of footy to watch. Uh, it was still exciting at the end with the, with the way the game actually finished. But ultimately, yeah, you know, for 75 minutes, the game was pretty gross. And then we also had the Storm torching the Bulldogs. They're and- also two terrible teams as well. It's not like they're two high-quality teams that all of a sudden, you know, because they wanted to wrestle a bit, that all of a sudden quality fell off a cliff though, right? Yeah, the, I guess the the thing he's talking about is he's going to crack down. He's talked about uh, the refs are, you know, not interpreting the rules properly, or they're they're being a bit too penalty happy and not enough six agains, or not giving six agains where they would have last year. And, and I get the feeling, and it may translate into more super coach mm, points. Like, oh, I like that again because we need more six agains. Yeah, well, it's more like if he's going to try kind of pressure the refs to effectively you know, interpret things a little bit differently and try and make more six agains or I, I don't know what exactly he's trying to do, but it seems like he wants more of a 2021 vibe to the season, which, again, it's just frustrating, right? Because we're... <laughs> he must have Tom Chavoyevich as his, um, in his super coach team or something. He's just like, Tom's not doing well. Everyone speed the game up. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because he literally did mention James Tedesco and... Tommy Turbo, uh, as guys who apparently uh, are not as as dominant as they were last year. It's just kind of funny, obviously, because everyone uh, playing Supercoach was commenting on, uh, you know, PVL must have Teddy Turbo. Yeah, wow. 100%. Yeah, didn't mention Pappenhausen, ironically, right? Uh, No, it's just funny, obviously, because his whole thing initially with the six against was we're bringing him back the little guy. And, you know, we just saw Ryan Pappenhausen and Mitchell Moses, you know, they're not exactly big guys, absolutely torch two teams. So, yeah, it's a funny one. But anyway, that's, I guess, from a super coach perspective, there is a potential here, I think, that PVL 
you know, with what he's come out and said, like, are we going to see a bit of a crackdown on so-called wrestling? Uh, more six agains, more penalties. Are there going to be potential send-offs? Uh, like, sorry, uh, sin, sin bins, I guess, for repeat offenders. You know, we remember the... What exactly is it about... Well, I'm really confused about what, what it is that he wants to change. Is it like holding people up in the tackle too long? Or what is it that he's... What are we looking for? Well, that's the thing, right? He just he just throws this word wrestling out there, right? Mm. But, you know, wrestling's prevalent in, in, in the game. It's not like it's changed from last year to this year. Uh, apparently he's saying it's not getting penalised or, or punished enough. And I'm like, well, they're giving away penalties now, you know? Yeah, so it's either too many penalties or the referees aren't penalising wrestling. And, I mean, look, honestly, I, I have a tremendous amount of sympathy for the refs. Um, the kind of stuff that we don't hear that comes out, you know, the, the, the stuff that doesn't come out in the media that they must be told every single week is it any wonder that they're inconsistent because, you know, they keep getting this egomaniac in their faces trying to dictate to them, you know, how to referee and dramatically change the game and the players get angry at the refs, the fans get angry at the refs, the bloody, you know, executive of the NRL get angry at the refs and and I don't know what we expect the refs to do. Um, enough about PVL though, guys, and, and the changing state of the game. Uh, we had some Broncos throwdown uh, come out in the media, Wilf. Yeah, the so-called brawl. Uh, I don't know if everyone's seen the the little, you know, 10, 15 second yeah. clip, I suppose you could say, Payne Haas, Albert Kelly. Apparently it's come out. It was after the Bulldogs game uh, just in, in round two. So uh, Haas has come out and said he wasn't drinking. Uh, Albert Kelly clearly was. Yeah. <laughs> the funny thing is, is apparently Kelly stepped on Haas's shoes his white, his white sneakers. I think he would have done it on purpose, dirty. though, you know, because I used, I used to have someone that used to do that every time you get white sneakers, and I'd think you'd have to, like, yeah. I, he would have done that, I think, trying to be funny, one of the boys, and it wasn't cool, and Haas didn't like it, and let him know about oh, it. Mate, he, he, he's, he takes his sneaker game seriously, so he obviously... I think it was probably just he didn't like, he probably doesn't get along with Albert too much, I don't need to take this from No, anybody. they're fine, they're fine, like, it's just clearly he, he wasn't a fan of his sneakers being stepped on, so he's taken offence to that, he's, uh, you know, trying to trying to give Albie a bit of a heads up to stay away. You look like a pest on the drink, though. He's an absolute pest. <laughs> Albert Kelly strikes me as a bit of a double plugger man, and that's about as formal as it gets outside of the game. But Yeah, so I guess the main thing with that is is because Haas apparently has a good behaviour bond on him uh, from his earlier indiscretions involving a female police officer. Yeah. So because the police are now looking into this incident, there's a question mark about, you know, does this constitute a breach of it? And if so, there's there going to be potential ramifications for Haas. And right now, the integrity unit is looking into this incident. Uh, you know, there's a lot of comments like Gus Gould has come out and said, you know, this is boys being boys, just carry on, don't worry about it. Like, integrity unit shouldn't investigate this. But there's a potential we might lose Payne Haas for a week or two. I, I honestly don't know. I just think we should keep a close eye on it, basically. Yeah. Well, that's depressing. Um, so, which brings us segues quite nicely into uh, the suspensions and injuries. Will uh, you got a bit of a list for us? Yeah. So it's funny because the list is long, but most of it, again, thanks to PVL, mostly just fines uh, for grade one offences. We do have a potential two week suspension here for Thomas Flegler, one of his three charges. But yeah, he's missing another two matches. Just Vanga also missing two matches or uh, grade three dangerous contacts. So outside of that, everyone else is getting fined a thousand bucks. Where does this thousand bucks go to? Do they just put it in the Christmas party for the end of the year for the NRL or something? Do they? It seems like it. 
okay, well, so they're our suspensions, but obviously the most expensive player in the game uh, is out for four weeks with a knee injury. He's one of a, a host of super coach relevant players that are likely to spend some time out. Yeah, so Tommy Turbo, they're saying four weeks, but NRF is here, I reckon, is four to six, just depending on how that whole you know, situation uh, actually, how, how severe the MCL injury is. So, you know, at the very least, we're going to miss out on Tommy Turbo for four weeks. That's obviously a bit of a dagger to those who'd held him faithfully, only to get one decent score right before he gets hurt. Uh, obviously, we'll talk about the ramifications for that for Supercoach later. We've also got the Hammer, who's got, suffered a PCL injury. He's going to miss a couple of weeks minimum. Paddy Garrigan has done his MCL and he'll be out at least four weeks, it seems. Now, there's a bit of a question mark over Fanor Blake, who's been named on the extended bench for the Warriors. Now, checking from NRL Physio, he's saying that he, the Warriors are saying that he's got a knock, apparently. And from what he's looked into, it seems like some sort of lower limb injury. It doesn't seem serious. So he could be playing this week. He could only miss a week and be back next week. So... Just a, a situation to monitor there for AFB owners. Albert Kelly's gone for pretty much the season, I think, with a Liz Frank injury. So that's a, a pretty bad foot injury. And he twisted that when he stepped on Payne Haas' <laughs> shoes. Is that correct? No, no. So thankfully, he didn't hurt himself two weeks ago. <laughs> he did play the last two rounds. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, so he's gone for the season, it seems, based on what we're estimating. Dylan Walker's got a bit of a quad issue. He seems to be at least missing one or two weeks, potentially more. And we've seen a couple of hamstring concerns. So Tyson Frizzell and also Sean Lane. Uh, so Frizz hurt himself last week and he wanted to come back on, but he was eventually kept off by the Knights. He's been named again. There's a question mark whether he plays. Sean Lane got uh, injured at training and he missed the game and he's been named this week, but there's uh, definitely some question marks because it's a hammy. And uh, Dean Eremia, he's still missing this week. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's why Nick Meany's in the team. No, Nick Meany's <laughs> there on merit, my friend. Uh, <laughs> Mark Nichols also injured. He's got a pretty bad ankle, look, look like a high ankle sprain. He's got a syndesmosis <laughs> and uh, it could be four weeks plus. So there's a bit of interest in Davey Mowali, I think, if that's how you pronounce his name, uh, from the Rabbitohs. But anyway, that's enough of that rambling. Let's look at some, uh, let's, let's crunch some numbers. Thanking Carl McGrath, accountant, as always, for sponsoring this segment. If you do want to make sure you're not fudging your numbers when it comes to your taxes, make sure you get Carl to help you out. This week, I'm looking at positional scoring and also ownership comparisons. So what I've done here basically is looked at every position in Supercoach, looked at the, I guess, the, the standout performer at each level, looking at the ownership and, and looked at the most uh, highly owned players in each area. So uh, the, probably the best way to, to, to illustrate that is looking straight at the hook position. Harry Grant uh, averaging 88.5. Sure, he's only played two games, but it's kind of still made up for missing the other two pretty much with that average. He's owned by almost 20%. I think he's probably nudging over 20% by now. That's 22.5 points per game ahead of the next best options. And that's Damien Cook. Uh, who's owned by 12.4%, and also Blake Braley, surprisingly, owned by 8.9%. Look, this, to me, seems like it makes it very clear this is not an area to pot up in, basically. You need Grant or you'll be left behind. And based on how the rest of the hookers are scoring, there's no real point getting a second hooker 
as a pod option either. Does that make sense to both of you based on those numbers? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I think you, you have Randall and, and you call him uh, when, you know, he kind of peaks. But, you know, we've seen quite a few people at Apicorus House more than 20% owned, which is interesting. Reed Marnie's the fifth most owned player as well. And Blake Braley, I'm pretty sure the consensus is, is that he's going to do what his brother did last year, which was, you know, start hot, get a few attacking stats and then fade back to the pack. So... I think it is Grant or Bust um, as the start. And then if you are looking uh, for someone once Randall has fattened up, assuming that you know, the, the majority of super coaches have him, um, get someone for the round 13 buy uh, that plays that, that that's cheap and, and it's really just a one-player position by the looks of things. Or you might be able to look at things like a Cam McInnes who's got the dual position who can move out later or whatever, but... You know, that's a that's a problem for later, basically, Wolf Randall's still making a bit of cash. But yeah, so looking at the front row forward position, got Payne Haas, obviously, at 77 points per game. He's owned by almost 63% of super coaches, which is pretty insane. Uh, secondly, we have Isaiah Papali'i, who's been really good, 73.5 points per game. He's almost owned by 21% of super coaches, which is pretty impressive. I didn't expect it to be that high. Uh, and then there's a pretty... Pretty big drop, 17 points and 13 points down to Tino, who's somehow owned by 21.1% of super coaches, and Pangai, who's owned by 9.4% of super coaches. So that is a huge, huge cliff, basically, from those two names to the next lot. Uh, we do have a quick shout out for Josh King here at 58.3 points per game so far, at 36.3% ownership. And obviously, the other King, Max at 46.3 points per game and owned by 47.1%. I think, you know, looking at this, you know, most of us have Haas and if you don't, you probably have Papali'i and maybe you've got a Pangai or whatever. Like there's some other names like Ujai Arrows and Vanilla Blakes, but they're just, you know, they're, they're averaging that much below these guys that I think it's actually been a, a loss to actually have to go with one of them, the other ones. Yeah. I mean, because right now I've got Haas and Josh King as my starting front row forward. That seems to me like a fairly stable combination for at least another round or two. Yeah, it is. And, and Tim, I'd be keen to, to understand where your head's at with front row. But from where I am, it is slight, slightly concerning that uh, Josh King was down to 50 minutes with with Cheese and Harry Grant back in the team. Uh, and similarly for Papa Lee, he's been, you know, going great guns and, and would be a clear second option in the front row, but was down to 66 minutes uh, last week. And, and for the first time, I think all year, Madison and Lane are both fit. So um, I do worry sometimes. Obviously, he did uh, end last year in the middle rotation uh rather than uh you know that 80 minute edge roll so you're paying an awful lot there um for just that little bit of uncertainty certainly compared to Haas but but Tim do you have a plan with with front row at the moment it's just leave it alone I've got um Payne Haas there Josh King Max King and Mama Sia Mama Sia is obviously just doing my head in but I'm just going to leave him there for now <laughs> yeah well, one of these things is not like the others yeah <laughs> on that list so look yeah, I, I, I feel for now, as long as... Look, I'm even a little bit concerned about Josh King's minutes dropping. So maybe I might look at Max instead of a play. But I, I still think I'm happy to ride with those guys for a while. I'll be happy to hang with Josh King until he gets his dual position next round. And then that gives some options for maybe bringing in someone else. Yeah. You know, through dual position yeah. trading. I did want to point out real quickly for Papa Lee, though. I get that he's, you know, saw his minutes drop. Uh, last round. I wonder if it's because of the blowout, basically. 
And then also, I mean, he still scored 66 points in base and base attack in 66 minutes. Yeah. Which is <laughs> incredible. You take that. And I, I think he seems like a really safe option right now and he doesn't seem like he's going to slow down yeah. at this point. Is he dropped any cash at all? He was expensive compared. He was like 690K or something compared oh, to. He's gone point. up. He's he's 12 grand more than what he started wow, at. Okay. Yeah, it just seems very hard. I think it'd be very hard to have Hass and him just at the moment trying to squeeze so many other big guns into our side soon, like Cleary. Very, very true, guys. So second row, I mean, we're talking about elite front row options. I'm kind of worried that there really isn't a group of elite second row forwards. Obviously, Cam Murray, uh, best part of 84 points a game, lots of attacking stats there and is decently owned at 16%. But um, it's about 10 uh, ahead of Isaiah Papali and 11-12 ahead of Targo and Wilton as well. Um, kick out with uh, all those tries in the first couple of rounds. Timmy, you've got him, 71.8 points a game, but he's highly owned as well. Bo Firm has done well with the dual positioning as well, 67.3 points a game. And, and of course, the expensive second row I've got in David Fafita, you know, is just plodding along at 60. But, I mean, Murray's score is inflated by the attacking stats, but, the, but there's no real elite other options that, that stand out to me. No, there isn't really any other elite options standing out. I, I think some of the um, other options that people have gone, like the cheaper moneymaker guys, you know, um, like, you know, Bo Forma or Nanai or something like that. I mean, that they're sort of okay, but they're sort of relying on those attacking stats. So they're more of a cash maker, I think, than a exciting plug and play sort of thing. But you'd still have to play them, I think, if you had them. But yeah, I don't I, I'm a bit I'm a bit lost in that second row. I feel very thin myself. I've only got Fafida, Kikau and and Aiken, I think, there, and then that's about it. And Targo and Tulagai, yes, and Piakura who's not doing anything, so Yeah, so Will obviously Tim makes good points there, but can you imagine how well this second row group's gonna score when PVL eliminates the wrestle? <laughs> yeah, look, I just think, you know, it, it, right now it seems like aside from Cam Murray, there's no real elite options and Murray's scoring really, like, yeah, sure, he's definitely got the attacking stats there, but his base and base attack have been up there too. Part of that's just because of the minutes and Demetrius has, has actually said, you know, he's going to play Murray for bigger minutes in the bigger games. And with the easy attacking, I mean, the easier draw, supposedly, for the Bunnies coming up, you kind of wonder his minutes might drop, but then you're really counting on him getting those attacking stats. And he probably does because he's just he's playing so well at the moment. I just, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a bit torn because I'm thinking, is do I need to get Murray? And my gut kind of says no, but I'm going to hate watching him because he's just going to rack up some scores over the next couple of weeks. He's a, he's a great player, but he's never been anything higher than kind of an A-minus option at the position, I don't think. That's the thing, though. I think A-minus is the highest at the second row forward position right now. Yeah, look, I, I think you're probably right as well. It's it is it's a much more crowded, varied uh, list, certainly over front row as well, and there isn't going to be too much difference with you know the change in in positional things where people might like Tim slot uh, Josh King down as one of your playable second rows, but um, you know there's there's six slots to fill, and I'm not sure that the cheapies are doing that much either. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. It seems like there might be an opportunity here. But look, that's enough number crunching for the moment. Uh, quick shout out again, Carl McGrath, accountant. You can search for him on Facebook with that. So C-A-R-L-M-C-G-R-A-T-H, accountant, or at, on Twitter at Carl M. Accountant. 
get in contact with Carl, as I've mentioned in previous weeks, as well as tax returns, he can also help you with all your bookkeeping needs, including things like data entry, BAS preparation and lodgement. If you're a small business owner, take some of the pressure off your shoulders. Let Carl take care of your books while you take care of your business. And always, as always, mention the Supercoach Champions podcast when you get into contact with Carl. And he'll look after you with pricing and definitely uh, take his advice. He's smashing, uh, smashing all of us right now. He's doing really well. <laughs> ranking wise too so yeah and finally carl just wanted to thank all listeners who trusted him with their work again last year it's a bold strategy cotton let's see if it pays off for him all right so the first section in strategy chat i'm really following on from the number crunching basically because looking at the other positions there's some really interesting uh things that have come out here and i think there's some opportunities uh, for some strategic moves, basically. So starting at the halfback position, look, 46% of us basically have Nico Hines. Whether he's at halfback or fullback, I don't know, but Nico's averaging 85.3 uh, at a super high ownership. Next up, you've got Mitch Moses, actually, at averaging 81.8. Obviously, the 144 last week helps with that. But almost 40% ownership. And third highest averaging halfback right now is Tommy Dearden, averaging 74.3 and almost 10% ownership. Uh, next highest owned guy at halfback was actually Jerome Hughes, I believe, and he is at 12.2%. After that, there's a whole bunch of guys like your Daily Cherry Evans, Ben Hunts, uh, guys like that who are all floating around the 2 to 4% ownership and actually scoring quite well, not quite at Tommy Dearden level, but just a tad under it. Um, but the big name, look, Nathan Cleary, 7.5% ownership already. Is this the play? Well, it's certainly more of a play than Kiri and, and Sam Walker, who, you know, their ownership's kind of fallen off a cliff the last few weeks as they've under underperformed. But it's it's the best part of five hundred grand to go from Kiri and Walker up to Cleary. So that's an awful sacrifice when money's pretty tight in the early rounds. Tim, you've been talking a bit about you know, wanting to get Cleary in, obviously you're a Panthers boy. Yep. Is he, is, do you need to move on to him sooner rather than later? Oh, I think after this weekend we'll be saying yes. Um, I think he'll have a big weekend against the Dogs, not necessarily just because it's the Dogs, but second week back, um, I think he'll be, you know, fully ready to go and hit the ground running. I I, I'm, I think the only people that can get um, Cleary in this week are two sort of schools of people, the people that own turbo and and would move high and have Hines at halfback and move Hines down bringing in Cleary for turbo or people that have that don't own Hines and only have like you know sort of a Sam Walker or something I know they've seen people saying should I go Dylan Brown and stuff to to Cleary which is a bit whack I think but I think you could the only way you could go to him I feel like people like myself who have Nico at half and um I've got you know Teddy and happy like you boys at fullback I don't know how I just don't know how I can get him in and I'd have to cull one of those guys it just doesn't seem like there's a way to make it happen and honestly that was why I went against the grain and didn't get Nico uh, in. Now, yeah, I've yeah. paid for that I've paid for that a little bit but you know I didn't want you know because I just thought and I still think it's not sustainable what he's doing there but you know obviously for people who've traded Nico in he's a good bridge but He's also proving to be a gun. So do do you want to spend the trade to move him out for Cleary? Oh, it'd be um, so hard to get rid of him. Like I, I think that it could almost be genius. Like I'd almost want to just do it, just to have Cleary. And but then it feels a little bit like too reactionary to last week's average score of forty four. Whereas if he had, 
another 100 or 90 in his score, it'd be impossible to even think about trying to sell him to Cleary. You know what I mean? But I do feel like it's it's kind of the move to make. But I just wish I could have them both. I know there's probably people that can. They've set their side up. In a... See, I just wanted to put out really quickly that that 44, Nico still had 39 points in base and base attack and he actually lost negative two points in goal kicking because mm, of the wins. Yeah. He could kick nothing over, so he scored four. He, he got one from four. Well, those conditions were ridiculous. Like they, it was blowing a gust. It'd be hard, it's hard for super coaching anyway, just for attacking. Four. So, like, if forty-four is is his floor, like I don't think you could part with yeah, him. I don't think so. Especially when he's got that ceiling. That I, I just don't think I could do it. Yeah. Now, I did want to point out something really quickly for Cleary, though. Like, you know, last year we saw Cleary with amazing base and that goal kicking floor was amazing as well. And that's why he was such a, you know, he was such a safe option. But I think like off the back of round one, you know, he only scored 34 and a part of that is because he wasn't making a lot of tackles. Like he made nine tackles and he missed seven, which is very unclear you like. Um, Mm. And you wonder like, is that his shoulder? Is that part of it? Like are people targeting him? I think in, in 2021, he averaged 17 tackles a game. And aside from like the back end of the year when he had the bung shoulder, like he had negative seven in, in, in missed tackles, negative five in missed tackles. Before that, he had nothing more than negative three, negative four. Um, wow. And some games he had missed zero tackles. So like, I think that's actually going to eat into his base a little for the time being. And I, for me, like that's what I wanted to see before I jumped on. I wanted to see how he was going to go with the shoulder. Uh, whether it's a mental thing, whether it's not, um, you can tell he's being very protective of it. I think NRL Physio tweeted out something where he, you know, he he'd obviously been practicing falling and he like got pre- proper falling technique. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I think that's really cool, and I think that's great for him because it means he's probably not going to injure that shoulder again. But for Supercoach, it it matters. Like he he needs to be making, you know, that's. Like nine tackles and seven missed tackles is huge. Like that's yeah. a huge swing. And do you think those tackle numbers will, will be affected when PVL eliminates the wrestle? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Maybe maybe he'll make more tackles as a result because they're not spending so much time wrestling each other. <laughs> All right. We've gone pretty deep on halfback, guys. 5'8", um, bloody Dylan Brown, <laughs> uh, averaging 84.8, ownership. My boy Munster, a little behind 76, but uh, highly owned at 26% ownership. Tommy Dearden, just absolutely ripping it up. How did the Broncos let that guy go? There's 74.3 points a game. And uh, Jack Whiten, who flashes from time to time at 65, but weirdly uh, highly owned at 13% ownership. So, I mean, they seem to be the options, um, certainly from a point scoring perspective. Cody Walker, only 38.5 points per game, Tim. I mean, you know, South's draw is, is softening up, you know, quite nicely, but I mean, surely you can't continue to, to ride those price drops. No, I think that Cody's going to be a buy in a cup like a week or two there. Anyway, I think I could see him even going well this week. I think he's got a pretty okay matchup. Dragons, yeah. Well, yeah, and and he's obviously where Dillbags was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I think like three point two ownership. It's a really, it's definitely a legitimate option to look at him this week. My problem is, and because I've got Dillbags and Lachlan Lilius who at five eighth, and we saw like Ilias actually outscored Cody last week. <laughs> He did. And Cody's the one who scored a line break try. So it's because Cody's got, you know, hardly any base. 
And I know it, we're expecting Cody to go to, to go large, but Lachlan at least had a disallowed try that if Tom Burgess wasn't so lazy, he would have he'd be on eighty five or whatever uh, instead of the fifty five he scored last week. So I'm kind of thinking like I just want to wait one week. I've got Elias already. I'm going to play him this week because he's at that right path spot where Mitchell Moses was. So I kind of think you know I'm happy to watch one more week. If Cody Walker goes big, then fine. Like at three point two percent ownership, I don't think that many people are going to jump on this week. So I don't think he's going to burn me. But certainly a, a situation I'm watching very closely because that draw. Obviously, I think it's the Bulldogs next week as well, and then the Tigers after that. So and then you know a Tommy Turboless, Sea Eagles in round eight before they get the Broncos. Uh, so yeah, that that run is uh, pretty tempting. So just from a strategy point of view, you're holding deal bags until his bubble bursts, you know, uh, uh, which, you know, if you got on from the start, good on you. Munster's an all-season hold. Really intrigued by how highly owned some of those other options, the Deans, Whitens, et cetera, even Luai's approaching 10% uh, ownership there. But outside of Dylan Brown and Munster, you know, Cody Walker could be a, a bit of a pod call at this point, but I am scared by the 38 points a game, I have to be honest. Um, Absolutely. That's why it's going to be a high risk, high reward, and that's that's what Cody was, you know. And that's what I'm. That's what we talked about at the start, right? If PVL is pressuring uh, the refs to kind of bring us back to what we saw last year, then Cody Walker's relevance shoots straight back up. But if it doesn't and we're staying with what we're seeing this year, I just don't think Cody Walker's going to hit those heights of 2021, in which case I'm happy to stay, you know, off him and <laughs> Dillbags might be the guy for the for the season for me mm. and I'll bring Munster in a bit later. All right, so moving on from 5.8 to the position that's caused me the most pain so far this season, centre wing. Tim, I know you feel the same. Yeah. Taylor May is obviously killing it. Most or a lot of people bought him in uh, early, uh, which goes against Supercoach wisdom, but I tell you what, it's paid off averaging more than 100 uh, per game. Gagai smashing it at 76. He's 10% owned. Isaac Tago, uh, I think still the high, most highly owned uh, player in the game, almost 73. Philip Sammy, weirdly, um, never highly owned, around 3.2%, but averaging uh, the best part of 70. Firmers, highly owned. Joe Manu is more than 10%. He's 67 as an average. Demi Tupo is about as reliable as it gets uh, for a winger. Uh, and is 4.4% owned for his uh, 65. And Xavier Coates has actually paid off, even though his base is so low, um, a 64 average, but he's 41% owned. Now, I don't think outside of uh, Taylor May and Targo, Tim, you've gone any of those. Um, your no. centre wing's in about as much problem, in much trouble as mine is, mate. So, so what's kind of piquing your interest out of that mob? Yeah, I reckon I'd rather have a few blokes playing pen, like just down at my local Penrith Oz tags and in some of my CWTs <laughs> at the moment um, for my Supercoach side. Yeah, I, I need to do something about it. I'm going to do something about it this week. I think, I think I'm going to have to let Stags go. It's going to hurt because I think he's going to do well. But yeah, it's just so painful to try and work out what to do now. I just feel like there's so many options in every position that it's so I hard. Will, I will it. say, as, as someone who is a Broncos season ticket holder, Wolf, I know you've watched him live a couple of times, never seen a player in my whole rugby league watching career who has his hands on his hips as much as Katoni Staggs. Like, he almost has yeah. his hands on his hips when he's running back into the defensive line. Like, if he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he's got his hands on his hips. And, I mean, surely he can't be that unfit, but he just 
is absolutely not interested. It's kind of David Fafita times 10 wealth. It's just really weird because he wasn't really like that last year. I mean, yeah, there were times certainly he lost interest or whatever, but it's just at a whole new level this year. And I don't know if there's maybe actual, like he's actually quite underdone for some reason and he's just not match fit and that's why he's struggling so much. But yeah, it's gross. And you kind of think like at this point, surely the, the fitness is starting to click or whatever, but yeah, it's not fun. No, you have to uh, do I, something to get fit, mate. That's the problem. <laughs> Well, it's just hard when you when you like once in the season, like you don't really have the time to to run the kilometers that you would n- normally do in preseason to be able to get that uh, to to get that base level of fitness, and it just seems like maybe he's going to be off. He's averaging thirty two point three, and I'm kind of looking at that like that's not that bad for considering what he's done. He's done nothing, so that's the the reluctancy in wanting to sell him because I just think as soon as he does anything, he's going to start scoring well. But because he has, how did he score thirty eight last week? What did he do? Made three tackles and then <laughs> did three sneezes on the field or something. He has a point for sneezing these days on for Supercoach. I can't. I can't. I think it might have been. Um, I can't remember which count it was from Twitter that they did uh, analysis where he was scoring five Supercoach points per touch. Yeah. <laughs> the ball. It might have been uh, Supercoach guns. If it's not, I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, it was kind of funny because obviously he's been very efficient. Uh, just not touching the ball enough but yeah it, it's if if you got to get off stags i totally get it i, I would you know, have no hesitation doing it but at the same time he's kind of he's lost that money he's actually kind of getting close to where he's scoring at the moment so he's probably not going to lose much more cash yeah and as soon as he scores well one week he becomes a buy and people start wanting him they'll go oh, okay we've seen what we need to now and then i'll be upset so i think the thing with him is like he's bombed some really obvious scoring points opportunities like you know, that, that try where he dropped when he was scoring it, like that neg two should have been a 31-point play. But is that a positive, Wilf? I mean, all he had to do with that play is fall over without dropping the ball know. and he couldn't even do that. So I'm not sure that that's a, you put that down in the if-only category because the guy couldn't even fall over right. That's that's absolutely it. And, and in round one, I think there was a, a, a grubber kick that he literally just needed to dive on and he dived incorrectly and it became a neg two instead of a try as well. And, you know, there's just so many of those little errors here and there that between him and Cobo is just ridiculous. Like I think they are, they are one and two for errors made in, in the NRL at the moment. So it's translating to their super coach and obviously it's not helping the Broncos either. Yeah. It's no, it's no coincidence. It's, it's like the two stooges out on the Broncos, right? It is just the absolute worst. And I've played them both you know, multiple weeks, just every you know, week. Yeah, like yeah. Poking, poking them with a stick saying, just do something. No, no, not that as, as it get another minus two, <laughs> like do something else. But, uh, but I think the center wing though, there's definitely, this feels like the area, there's a lot of opportunity for pods. And I think if you're doing your research and doing some deep dives, you might be able to find some good matchups coming up. Uh, so I think I would encourage people to look here for opportunities to catch up, basically, if you're fine. Talking about matchup, I'm a bit concerned about the Broncos matchup. Like they've, the next five games they've got, they've only got one game that's okay, which is against the Dogs. They've got to play the Roosters, the Panthers, then they've got the Dogs, then the Sharks, and then the Bunnies. So either side yeah, of that Dogs game is two kind of really hard games, I think, for them, and I just can't see much happening. Maybe... Is Katoni, do they go to him more in the big games because they need to more so? But then how effective well, is he? They, 
they they needed to go to him more the last few games, yeah. but he's not doing anything when he gets it either. So it's yeah, like let's move on. Yeah. The on that Need album. to move on. <laughs> Look, I, I wouldn't begrudge. And again, I was pretty vocal in preseason talking about you know the guys that streaked out to a big start last year were the ones that kind of took a flyer on you know premium price players like Brett Morris and Brian Toho. It appears Gagai might be one of those guys uh, this year. He's 10% owned, which is certainly not in pod range. But, you know, even when Newcastle are, are getting kind of belted around, he's still got amazing base wealth. Yeah, he's definitely been on this year. And it's, it's it was kind of overshadowed last year because Alex Johnson was going bananas next to him. But he was getting so, through so much work. His base and base attack levels were fantastic. And he's carried that on to the Knights. and. In fact, he's probably getting even more ball than he was previously. So, mm. yeah, like that 76-point average is fantastic and I could see him keeping up, you know, maybe not 76.8 all season, but he seems like he's going to be a 70-plus guy just based off his work rate alone. Yes, indeed. All right, guys, plenty on center wings there. Fullbacks, I mean, gee, it used to be fairly straightforward. You, you pick two out of Teddy, Paps and Turbo. And uh, and ride your luck from there, but Turbo's out for what's looking like four to six. He's already lost the best part of three hundred k. I guess to your point, Tim, you've got Nico there as an option if you don't want him at half. But um, perhaps leading the way with his massive effort last uh, week to average one hundred and five point five. He's massively owned, but uh, someone like Reese Walsh, who's averaging a sneaky seventy one. Uh, only at 2.3% ownership. Is is fullback as straightforward as, as what we thought it would be in the preseason, particularly now with Turbo out, or is there room to pot up? Definitely not as straightforward, I don't think, with Turbo out. I mean, you could pot up. I think you need to have Pappy as one of them. Like, like we have to have Pappy. Um, he just looks amazing. He's a goal-kicking as well. See, Walsh scoring 71, I, I must say, I... I'm a bit shocked by that. I haven't really paid attention to his scores. I haven't seen like he's done anything like really amazing when he was lighting it up last year. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty That's pretty nice, man. I like those scores. It helps he's played one less game and he got to play the Broncos last week. So goal, he, I wouldn't read too much into the 71. He's been kicking his goals but... pretty well. He's got a pretty elaborate uh, lead up to his kicks, I must say. <laughs> So is that, is that, but do you know yeah, what I will also say? I've noticed a lot of other rugby league players in their kick they look like they want to do it. They look like they want to do the Walsh bouncy, the bouncy bounce that Walsh does with his arms swinging to the side, but they only do it a little bit. Watch Mitch Moses has incorporated a little bit of a swing, and someone else has too. Just keep an ear on. No, Moses was doing that before Walsh was. Oh, I don't know. I feel like they've seen him doing it now. They're just bouncing a little bit more than they they they, they like it. It looks it looks theatrical. But will they do it once PVL brings back the wrestle? Oh, my God. <laughs> I do think fullback is an opportunity here, basically. I, having said that, like if you have Paps and Teddy, I wouldn't I wouldn't change that. I think Teddy's about to go on a bit of a run. I like Luttrell, who's under, like, like hasn't scoring great, but I like Luttrell. I feel like he could be a real, a real goer this year if he really steps up. Well, that draw for the Bunnies, right? Mm. And that's what I'm saying, like, I think Teddy's got a fantastic draw coming up. The Latrell has one as well. And I think, like, I don't think it's worth the trade to go from Teddy to Latrell. Uh-huh. But if you had someone, like, if you had Turbo and you had to get rid of him or you didn't go with two gun fullbacks from the outset, or if you had Gutho, I reckon I'd go Gutho to Latrell potentially. Yeah. You know, that like that's that. a point of difference there. But 
I just think if you do have Paps and Teddy, just hold tight. I don't think you'll need to really move from that. So for me, Dylan Brown's emergence has, and obviously the fact that he's not kicking goals means Gutho's just a no-go for me. Um, I mean, I know he won't play op- uh, Origin and, and he's done well for people over by periods, but he's fullback only, he's priced at his value, and I'm just not sure I see the ceiling there that, there are with the other fullback options because I think he's just not the dominant creative force anymore. No, I, I have to agree. I think definitely we perhaps uh, underestimated how relevant Dylan Brown would be in attack this year. And, and you know, Gutho used to get all the points going down the left. And right now Dylan Brown's taken a lot of it himself, which is great, you know, as a deal bag, deal bags owner. But yeah, I definitely think it's impacting Gutho. And if you got him, I'd definitely be looking to move off him before the draw gets any tougher for the Eels. Let's take a quick break. Super coaches, summer is well and truly over. We're deep into autumn. The NRL season is heating up, and that also means Supercoach is heating up. It's time to make some bold calls and cull some deadwood and really clean things up so that our teams are looking as schmick as possible moving forward. And you know what? Sometimes you just need a little bit of confidence in order to make those bold calls that are needed to tidy that team up. So the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming they do have the best tools for cleaning up uh, not your Supercoach teams, but what's in your pants. So it's time to join the other 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping using the code CHAMPIONS. Confidence is a weird thing. Sometimes you might think that you've done the research and you know what you're doing and that should be enough to give you the confidence to make those bold moves for Supercoach that you need to. But sometimes all it takes is to know that you also look good, smell good and feel good to give you the confidence to make the calls you need to. And Manscaped has the full package you need for that. The Performance Package 4.0, it's the only tool you're going to need to keep your boys looking and smelling fresh. To do that, kick things off with the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer to get the most precise shave on your balls. Then clear your holes and smell the fresh air with the Weed Whacker. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which will prevent nicks, snags and tugs in those delicate holes. Next up, you can make sure to get rid of the foul ball smell with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. The Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. And the Reviver, it's a spray-on toner for your balls. Then finish off your grooming routine with the Plow 2.0, the perfect razor for the finest shave on your face. Because if you're using your lawnmower 4.0 on your balls and your face, you're doing it wrong, boys. The start of April also marks the start of Testicular Cancer Awareness Month. Manscaped has partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness to testicular cancer, men's health and early cancer detection. Manscaped is committed to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer in men aged 15 to 35 and giving support for fighters, survivors and families impacted by testicular cancer as part of their We Save Balls initiative. Smell oh so fresh and so clean and check yourself before you wreck yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping using the code CHAMPIONS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping using the code CHAMPIONS at manscaped.com. It's time to throw out your old hygiene habits and upgrade your life. So a lot of what we're talking about is the draw, but we're kind of looking at it through the lens of, you know, the elite teams, you know, the, the Roosters, the Storm, Penrith, Parramatta. That's what kind of proved so successful last year is you just get on, get a piece of a piece of the higher scoring teams, the elite teams, and, and that's going to do you well. So, Tim, do you think the draw is less important uh, now? Because it seemed to certainly not have as much of an impact last year as previous years. 
Mm, no, I still reckon draw is pretty important. I mean, you just have to look at last. I mean, it's not an example for all the players, but, you know, playing the Dogs last week, most of the Storm performed pretty well with the exception of Munster. But, yeah, I think I'll be still trying to target draws. I think that makes it just for more attacking, especially if um if, if the game is going to sort of loosen up a little bit more with the extra six agains and uh, PBL putting his touch on it. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, but I mean, I do think when we're talking about examples of, of the draw, we are talking about those elite teams um, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, taking yeah. advantage. So is it is it the fact that it's the elite teams, Wilf, or is it the fact that they can take advantage of a good draw? I definitely think it's the, the elite teams are still going to be really relevant. So the Storm and the Panthers come to mind first and foremost. I think with the Rabbitohs, they would have been in that category, except they just, you know, I, I think we can't, underestimate the loss of Adam Reynolds ultimately to their attacking structures and it's starting to click and that's why I'm liking what we saw from Lachlan Ilias last week I feel like that's going to help the Rabbitohs and, and as he continues to improve uh that I mean that was definitely his best game mm, um, of, of the season I felt and it's going to be you know going to be really important to see him continue that the Seagulls obviously no Tommy Turbo I think can write them off for a little while um, but aside from that there's no I mean sorry the, the Eels not to disrespect disrespect the Eels they've certainly been an attacking juggernaut so far so it might just be that we need to revise our expectations as well uh, a lot of the draw emphasis and things like that I, I still feel like we've maybe got 2021 impressions in our mind like we looked at the draw and you kind of think well the Knights used to be a good matchup but they're actually really tough defensively this year you know, you kind of looked at uh, those types of teams and you kind of, you've got to revise your expectations. And I, I just think that might be what it is. Like maybe we've got some still lingering. Mm, I think we have too much lingering from last year, carry over every year, I think. That's the problem. And it's just been such a quick turnaround, right? Because not only we had the rule change or rule adjustment at the start of this year, but you know, a lot of these teams just got better at, at PVL Ball 2.0. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, I think there's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, which is kind of bringing the overall kind of level a little bit closer. Yeah, I mean, again, who knows, once uh, PPL eliminates the wrestle again, right? <laughs> I love it. It's working. It's working. Everyone's uh, <laughs> uh, thinking of it through that lens. So, all right, guys, the last thing, uh, and we can probably go through this fairly quickly, it used to be super coach sacrilege to to go early on rookies, both for job security reasons, injury reasons, and and uh, just pure point scoring potential. But I think, uh, you know, those who took the pun on Taylor May, massive rewards with his scoring. Even Cooler uh, did really well last week and named it fullback this week. You know, is that kind of conventional wisdom something, you know, a thing of the past and, and people just need to get on a rookie when they get the opportunity, Tim? Yeah, I don't think there is any rules to super coach. I think that there shouldn't be um, stuff like, you know, don't go early on stuff. Like, I mean, it's not the end of the world. Like, I mean, if the play, the only thing that could be bad is if the player got injured. Other than that, you're just jumping on them early because they're not, you know, I don't know, I like it. I did it with him. Um, I did it a bit last year. There's a few players, though, I'm a bit unsure of, like um, Brody Jones. I, like, he didn't really pass the eye test for me. I, I'm, I know what the price is at, though. It's going to be still handy, but he just doesn't look very interesting. Okay, well, so talking a little bit about those obvious cheapies and you've just uh, sprung on Tim and I that you want to play a little game uh, around cheapies, so I'm going to hand it over to you. Greetings and welcome. 
I want to play a game. All right, so I wanted to do a little quick who am I type game, uh, but looking at the stats basically. So I've got two players here, and they are two players who I think are very promising, and they're playing NRL this year. So player A, so last year player A, so to be clear, these are both guys who played some NRL last year, but this year is their first kind of opportunity to play more NRL, uh, if that makes sense. Sure. So player A in, in reserve grade played 10 games, uh, scored six tries, had two try assists, nine line breaks, averaged 184 meters per game, averaged seven tackle busts per game, and averaged 1.6 errors per game, right? And compare that to player B. Player B played 11 games in reserve grade last year, scored six tries, Two try assists, nine line breaks, average 157 meters per game, average 5.2 tackle busts per game, and 0.55 errors per game. Now, player A played two games in first grade last year uh, as a winger and scored 27 and 39 in base and base attack. And player B scored, uh, played one game as a winger in first grade, scored 44 in base and base attack. Who do you think player A is and who do you think player B is? Oh, I'm trying to work out which one of them is Cobo. Um, one of them's Cobo, and I'm going to go. It's a good guess. You are correct. One of them is Cobo. Who's the other one? So the other one, um, Greg Marju. No, not Greg Marju. Hmm. The other one. How many games did? Uh, um, what about Sean Russell? No, Sean Russell played one game, but he scored two tries. Yeah, no, definitely not. Not, not 44 in base and base attack. Look, I'll give you a hint. We just talked about them. Oh, we just talked about them, did we? You're going to say Literally just it's not like not- Taylor May. <laughs> yeah, Taylor May. Oh, wow. Okay, so, okay, I got it. So Taylor May was the one that averaged 44, played one game. He's number B, the letter B, yep. and Cobbo's yep. so, number one. That's right. Interesting. Okay. Yep. Ah. So Taylor May was player B and Selwyn Cobbo was player A. And I think it's really interesting, right, that Cobbo actually had better stats, basically, than Taylor May in reserve grade. Yep. And look at what we're seeing, how he's translated to first grade compared to how Taylor May's going. Uh, and look, you could point to maybe he's playing for the Panthers as, as opposed to playing for the Broncos, but I don't think that really matters in terms of whether you can, you know, can drop the ball as much as Cobo has. Or- Taylor May actually just looks confident. And I think that might have come from beating, uh, beating up that little classic fella in the offseason. Maybe he feels a little bit confident about that. I don't know. But yeah, that's handy. He feels like Cobo looks really like. Really innocent. I do like. I just want to pat him and tell him it's going to be all right. You know what I mean? But whereas Taylor <laughs> May, if I pat him and told him it was going to be all right, I'd be worried that I'd, you know, be put in hospital. He looks tough, and I like that. You got to be tough. That's funny because you know Cobber's the one who gets all the comparisons to Latrell and Greg Inglis and stuff, right? Yeah, but he's not tough. He's just you got to. He looks very innocent, but he's just he's athletic. He's very athletic. He's got a lot of pizzazz. He's just scared to show it. He's just scared to show it. Yeah. I guess I just wanted to highlight because obviously we talked about jumping on players, right? And mm. you know, people don't have much to go off. Um, I know people look at reserve grade and things like that. If you looked at reserve grade, player A's got better stats than what player B did. And, you know, at the same time, like when you go side and see, like people literally bought Taylor May the first game he played. And sure, we saw one game of him in, reserve, in, in first grade last year and he looked fantastic. But, you know, we also saw that for Cobbo. He also looked really good. And then he absolutely destroyed in the reserve grade grand final. I feel like there's more unknown with Cobbo, though, just because, like, uh, I feel like with Taylor May, like, it's in Panthers, it's a gun side. He's, he's 
replacing Toto on that left wing. We already knew he was a, a hard, like a heavy worker from that one game we seen. He was busy and wanted to take lots of runs. Whereas with Cobo, I think we were expecting like full on pizzazz and brilliance from the get go. I don't know. I mean, I, I know that I got Cobo because I was attracted to the guy that was playing outside Katani Stags mm. because I thought the Broncos would force feed Stags and that mm. hasn't been the case. And when it has been the case, both of them just keep dropping the ball. So, yeah, I mean, I, I take Will's point for sure that, um, you know, look, I do think it's a few years now in Supercoach since uh, uh, people got really burnt by going, you know, early on a player and, and quite famously when Curtis Scott was a rookie, um, a lot of people, including myself, um, brought him in for the second game, which was a, a, a tasty matchup. And, uh, you know, he promptly broke his leg and was out for the year. And, and I think the, the further in the rearview mirror some of those kind of teachable moments have happened, people just get more and more bold. And I certainly think at the moment it's paying off, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I think absolutely. I, I just, I guess I wanted to illustrate how interesting it is that you can look at the reserve grade numbers, you can look at how they've gone last year and you can see very little difference. And Ultimately, you only have one or two games to look at a player perform in first grade and make a decision as to whether they're going to cut it, right? Yeah. And it just seems like you could have looked at those numbers and you could easily have traded in Selwyn Cobo. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and I just think it's really funny that there, there isn't very little thought sometimes. Like, I doubt anyone looked up Taylor May's numbers or, or Cobo's numbers or whatever when they thought about bringing them in. No, I just went yeah. off the eye test of both of them, and they um, and I actually thought that Cobo would kill it more. I just thought that um, the young fellow would be consistent with base, but he's got, got, got all the tries, which has really helped him out as well. Well, I think that's it, right? He plays for the Panthers. Yeah. That's a huge tick in his box for sure. But anyway, that's that's probably enough of going through that. Like I said, I just thought it was very interesting and I wanted to take a bit of a dive there. Stephen, I like your hustle. That's why it was so hard to cut you. Congratulations. The rest of you made the team. Except you, you and you. Okay, covered a lot of detail, position by uh, position, gone deep on strategy uh, on a few different players there. We've got the game previews. We'll just uh, maybe have a bit of a shout-out at anything that jumps out uh, to us, the Night Seagulls being the first game. Tim Brody-Jones, you, you mentioned earlier, doesn't pass the eye test at, at 275k and big minutes. Is, is he a go for you? Yeah, I don't actually know what he finished scoring on, but just watching his game, I don't feel like he was as involved or as busy as what I kind of remembered Brody Jones to be a little bit last year. I'm thinking maybe in the world where we can't fit in every cheapie or every mid-range, he might be one I might just um, pass on like I did with Hiku. He did score, finished on 32 from 52 minutes, and I guess that's not too bad at his price tag, right? Yeah, but you so, don't need well, it. I wonder yeah. if... I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Maybe have I another think look. Keeping them definitely need to yeah, have another look. Agree. Definitely agree there. Interestingly, at around about the same price uh, for Manly Andrew Davy to sixty six k, his his points per minute is a pretty pathetic point five, but that actually puts him at a rate not too much off Brody Jones as well. So that could be an option if if you don't like. Brody Jones, cool as a must, I think, named it fullback. But, um, you know, he was so impressive last week that even when Tommy Turbo comes back, it's hard to see him not making it. And Bully Moore's out of the side. So not an urgent sell, but um, he's been a bit of a bust. Warriors, Cowboys, Wilf, um, uh, Alessi Gatoa there benched for Sirenin, uh, makes him with a high break even uh, a, a sell. 
Vilay is on the extended bench if you've kept him there. Drinkwater at fullback's interesting in real uh, NRL, but not really for Supercoach. What are you doing about uh, young Meany and, and Nanai, do you think? <laughs> I think Nanai, I'll just keep riding the price rises. I think this might be his last week. I, I don't really want to play him just because he doesn't have great work rate, right? We're just not seeing that. Um, but you know, the, the attacking potential there is, is fantastic. So... You know, he's he's got potentially some of the best hands of any player, like in terms of aerial aerial skills. Uh, like the, the the balls he's coming down with from from the bombs they're chucking up. Mm. Some fullbacks aren't going to catch those. Like he's just plucking them out of the air. Very impressive there. What I will say, I think maybe I'd like to have. It's not ideal, but I'd like to see what Ruben Cotter does. He's been really good the last two weeks and passing the eye test massively for me. I just I don't like he's on the bench. I'd love it if he started. If he started, I'd be really looking at him. But, yeah, Peyton, I don't think I want any Cowboys forwards, but, aside from Longo maybe. Yeah, but at 381K with a with a break even of four, um, it's not necessarily make or break this week uh, to get on Cotter, but the the uh, the Warriors with a soft middle um, is, is a pretty good matchup as well. Tim, uh, Broncos, Roosters, obviously Broncos, very super coach relevant as the Roosters are. Billy Walters at 5'8" but with a high break even, mm. I tend to think he's not a go. Stags and Cobbo, we've, we've spoken about plenty. Angus Crichton, though, mate, he's he's got to go, doesn't he? 550K, yeah, but definitely. break even, almost 100. I can't imagine there'd be too many people that have held on to him. I'd be really shocked if he's still more than 10% owned. I haven't looked at it, but I imagine most people would have jumped off either last week yeah. or at least uh, the week before or at least last week. But, yeah, definitely this week he's got to go. No Billy Smith, but no Joseph Swali either. He's on the extended bench, but somehow Kevin Nagwama uh, preferred to him, which is a bit of a worry for his chances given that he's been fit the last couple of weeks. Wilf, uh, game out at Wagga, Raiders, Storm. Not really much there to talk about at the Raiders, um, but Josh King and, and even Brandon Smith might kind of be a bit of interest there. Yeah, I think with Josh King, like you pointed out, the minutes are dropping. I'm not too worried about it. I still think his his PPM is going to go up and maybe he's more like a 40 to 45-ish average instead. So mm. I'm happy to just ride the price rises till he maxes out and then obviously getting the dual position will be handy just for potential trades. But yeah, he's not going to stick around. He'll be you know on the on, on the chopping block pretty soon for me. Brandon Smith, I guess, you know, he's he's just so busy, right, when he gets to play. Uh, on the field, like uh, I just think, you know, even if, if he's still getting fifty, maybe fifty-five minutes, whether he's on the bench or off the bench, I still think he's going to score pretty well. Like he's just getting into so much, getting through so much work, and you know, he just looks really good on the field. So mm, I'm not too. It'd be worried hard to fit him in, though. I mean, I'd prefer to have Murray over him playing more max minutes. You know what I mean? And I just yeah, look, I guess it's for some people who may have stuck with him, who started with yeah, him at sure. hooker and still have him. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I think you know you could trade him out, but you could also just sit tight. Like forty-two break evens, not that. Yeah, you know, I'd hold tight for if I was an owner for sure. Yeah. And as well, we've talked about him just generically with you know in the fullback conversation, Wilf, but Ryan Pappenhausen, a, a shade under eight hundred k, but with a minus forty-seven break even, it's it's now or never, right? Yeah, I think what Timmy said before was just you got to have him, and I do agree. Like I, mean, I said at the start, I think he was going to be the highest averaging player come end of season over Turbo. Wow. Um, and I still stand by that's that. That's huge, man. That's such a big call, and I really like that's going well for you. Good on you. I know it's great. I sound sarcastic, but I actually mean it. Um, I, I can. <laughs> oh, no, I'll be sarcastic. You can mean it. I'll be sarcastic. Don't you worry. 
but yeah, no, I, I'm I'm all for it too. I really I really like it. All right. So uh, the Rabbitohs Dragons Ilias. The man's alive, had the best game of his professional career, minus 10 break even. Gee, I hope, uh, you know, there aren't too many of you out there that jumped off him, but, um, you know, it sucked to actually have to trade him back in right as he's about to gain money. But one of those options as a trade-out surely is Talatau alone, uh, up to 68 break even, minus one on the weekend, and now he's got the bench utility role. So of all the, the, the cells that we've spoken about, I think he's a priority sell. And, um, you know, Ben Hunt, we mentioned in the halfback uh, conversation, only 2.3% owned, massive pod, but he's averaging in the high 60s, Wolf. Yeah, like I said, I, I think he's he's playing really well. And I just think it's it's a tough position, that, that second half, that spot, like whether you get Cleary, whether you have Nico, whether you go with one of the cheaper pods, like a Hunt or a DCE, uh, I do think they're, they're legitimate options. And, I mean... The Dragons' run hasn't been great, and he's still averaging sixty-six. And I think, you know, there's a, there's still some tougher games ahead. Like the the Bunnies this week isn't great. The Knights next week, the Roosters, then Tigers, Storm. So it's still not the best run. But I, I like he's been scoring well despite playing, you know, the the Panthers and the Sharks and the Eels who just destroyed them. So I, I just don't think we can sleep on him as a potential option. Uh, look, I think it's it's not fair to gloss over what a magnificent performance. Moon managed to pump out like negative one in 14 minutes of game time. That's pretty impressive. Could do nothing but miss one tackle. Yeah, that's kind of Chris Sando like. Um, I do remember Sando getting, I think it was a zero playing 80 minutes. I think Luke Brooks holds a record, doesn't he, for a minus five playing uh, playing 80 minutes? Yeah, that's that's correct. And he wasn't even sin binned or sent off too. He literally just scored negative five. Crazy. Unbelievable. So there's there's some halves in the next game that are performing a bit better. Titans, Eels, um, you know, we've spoken in depth about Dylan Brown and a bit on Mitchell Moses there is that sub-premium option at halfback. And not a lot of interest over in the Titans. You know, if you've held for feeder, it probably is still a hold, but both firmer if you haven't gotten him in. 439k, negative 26 break even. Tim, this is the week. Yeah, for people who were going to jump on him last week and maybe they didn't go elsewhere. I think people who went elsewhere might find it a struggle to bring him in because they don't know who they're going to get rid of for him because they've already done that um, mm-hmm. trade. But, yeah, he looks kind of like with the BE, he's going to go up in price. Oh, I can't find a way to do it myself. I think it's a handy trade because of the amount of money he'll make and you can turn him into, you know, an absolute keeper like Ken Murray or someone like that. But, yeah, I, I just can't afford him at that price. I don't know who I'd get rid of. To make that happen. Yes, someone with almost identical kind of super coach profile without the dual position is Talakai in the next game, Sharks-Tigers. He's 434K instead of 439, and he's got a negative 36 break-even instead of Firma's negative 26 break-even. Wilf, is, is he a more attractive option, you think? Yeah, it's a really tough one, right? Because he was so good last week. Like, we, Tim, you and I, we we, we thought he was in for a bath wow. from Gagai. It was the other way around. It was the other way around. Yeah. It was crazy, man. I can't believe how well he handled himself out there. Like he didn't seem to get gassed or anything, and yeah, and he was giving everyone nightmares, man. Like gay guy, he'd bump him off, and then someone else would try to go, and they'd be sort of half hanging onto his foot, and he'd flick him off. And it was fifteen tackle bus, fifteen. Yeah, now he's someone I am more interested in than um he than old Firmall. I think Firmall, you know, you've got to rely on that line break try for him to score well. 
um, which does seem like he's probably got it in nearly every second or third game. But, oh, man, Talakai looks really, really like the most hardest thing to tackle in the world at the moment. Well, I just wanted to point out, though, like the round before, right? So he played 80 minutes on the edge slash some game time at centre. Yep. He only averaged 35 points in base and base attack. Last week he scored 75 playing the full 80 at centre. So, look, face, let's face it, like, you're not going to get 15 tackle busts every round. Score? So, he scored, he scored 108, okay. but, like, 75 of that was from his base and base attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, ta- so Talakai has 15 tackle busts in one game. I'll give you a prize if either of you can guess how many tackle busts Jason Tamalolo has it over the whole season so far in four games. Three. Nine. Yeah, it's two, well, it's 10. So he's averaging 2.5 tackle pass a game. <laughs> and uh, and Talakai got 15 in one game. So anyone who, who thinks Tamalolo is kind of back to his best or barnstorming or anything, no, he's hitting the line and, and dropping like a sack of spuds. So, um, and not a lot else going on in the Sharks, Tigers. Obviously, good to see Talakai's annoying, back. eh? We needed to get him early. We needed to foresee that one. I don't know if I can get him or would encourage people to get him. I kind of think he's still very exciting for this type of year's super coach. The jewel, the jewel would have been the thing that made it yeah. you know, a strong option. The fact that he didn't get the jewel is is where it might steer me back to firmer a little bit. Because, Just because I'm sort of again, chasing and I'm a bit behind the eight ball. I feel like someone like Aiken, I've got in my side at second row. I feel like it's a, bit, a little bit sideways, maybe a little bit backwards, who knows. But I feel like going to Talakai might be a nice option just to try and chase. The two-round cash grab would be nice, except for the fact that they play the Storm next week, which yeah, is a bit of a downer. Yuck. Otherwise, I would have been tempted. Like, I, I took the punt on, Wil- uh, on Wilton, and, you know, I was pretty you know, 54 in base and base attack in 80 minutes. Can't complain about that, but certainly he's, um, his money-making might be up soon, and, and Wade Graham's back next week. So definitely not an option if you haven't got Wilton already. Yeah, and as it applies to Talakai, I think uh, Justin Ollum won't quite be as generous a defender as Dane Gagai was uh, when the Sharks do play Melbourne next week as well. And the final game of the round, God, I'm dreading what's going to happen here. My my once mighty Bulldogs rounds 1-3, to three, 2022, <laughs> uh, up against the Panthers. Uh, look, you're playing all your Panthers. You're buying Taylor May if you don't already have him. Uh, I just will call out here. I think Max King is is a very interesting play this week. You look at the bench for the Bulldogs. He's going to be the first forward off the bench. There's a utility and an edge player as well. So I think uh, you know he's going to get as many minutes as he can handle. So uh, any other call outs, Wilf or Tim, on, on the Bulldogs-Panthers game? I like that. Yeah, I think I'm actually going to play Max, the Dogs King, instead of the Storm King this weekend. That's what I'm going to do. I think it's a bit... That's how I feel. And also, interested to see how Kikau goes against um, the doggies. They're, they're, you know, does he want to really impress them? Yeah. Does he want to? He's already got the contract, right? He doesn't need but to. No, but doesn't he want to, like, does he want to blow them away? Does he go a little bit soft? Like, oh, I'll see you next year, boys. No worries. See you, Gabe. Don't worry about it. Doesn't want to hurt any of them. But do you know what? <laughs> I also heard today that um, the dogs haven't actually registered his, like, registered him. In, for the NRL yet, yeah. so they hadn't. Terrible, they, they can't fit him in. So imagine if they don't somehow. I'd love for him to stay at the Panthers. Oh come on, Gus, Gus will get it done, right? He's got too much influence. Mm. Um, excuse me, guys. I'm the Bulldog supporter here. <laughs> Very happy, Tim, for you to keep kick out at, at that dollar value. Oh wow! I just <laughs> I just can't have 
the Bulldogs signing more big money edge back rowers anymore. I just can't handle it. <laughs> he'll, he'll turn into Joe Stimson. You watch. <laughs> hey, come on. Pangai didn't turn into Joe Stimson. Well, not yet. Give him time. He's been so good. Uh, and by the way, happy birthday to Viliami Kikau. It's his birthday today. Oh, wow. And uh, also happy Isaac Targo. Happy birthday, boys. Oh, wow. Are they both birthday boys? Yeah, they're both birthday boys today. That's so cool. They play next to each other and they're celebrating birthdays together. Mm. A few birthday choices. No wonder they're such a, they, they click so well. I just don't want to talk about this game anymore. Uh, so those are the game previews, guys. Let's tackle our Swish Supercoach Star of the Week. If you are what you say you are, a superstar, then have no fear, the camera's here. All right, so it was a better round for the Swish. We actually had five people nominate the top-scoring player in Ryan Pappenhausen. Uh, Shout-out to the NRL SC Sponge. That's at Ben with no number. He guessed 163, almost there, only 30 points short from the actual score of 193. So congrats to Ben there. Uh, that's 50 bucks uh, to use at Swish. Uh, so, again, if you do want to enter, all it is is just keep an eye out for our tweet each week on the Thursday get your entry in just reply to that tweet with your player name and your predicted score and yeah the closest guess each week wins a 50 dollars swish voucher to use on their website but look the the real thing here is uh our, our little competition so i got some points on the board well, you're just lucky you got to pick pappenhausen first last week okay well, well at least <laughs> you got to captain him my body took it off him so i'd rather <laughs> i'd rather you be on the swish board and i be on the captaincy pappy train yeah, I wish we could swap places, but that's fine. I'll give me my swish runs. I want them. Put fair, them up now. Fair. Put them up. Yeah, they're already there. You, you're on two, and you and I, Joe, we're on one. I can't believe you uh, tried to pick Teddy when I clearly had picked him on the podcast. So. Well, yeah, unfortunately, you spend a week in Canberra with politicians. It'll addle your brain, mate. So completely <laughs> forgot about that. But I'm dirty. I didn't even get a pick, so I demand. Uh, that I get to first go pick. first this week. Mm. Yeah, all yours, all yours. Who are you picking? Well, the problem is there is, a, you know, there are quite a few different options, and and really it goes back to that pick an elite player in an elite team uh, and looking at the matchup. I'm going to go a little bit uh, counter to a Pappenhausen or a, or a Cleary. I'm actually going to go to Trell Mitchell, 130, because yeah. I think uh, the Dragons were just absolutely embarrassing. They've picked a very similar side again, and I think uh, you know this might be a, a good Latrell game. I like that actually. That's not that's not a bad pick. I'm going to go. So I'm moving away from fullback. I'm going to go with Nico Hines actually against the Tigers, and I'm going to pick him for 129. Oh, Tim McGuire may not have liked that. Tim, <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts, buddy? Um, I'm going to. Who'd you go? Latrell. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I'm going to go Nathan Cleary. Uh, what a homer pick. Sure. Um, yeah. um, actually, you want me to mix it up? I'll mix it up. No, no, no. It's good. You can, you I'll, have I'll have any of the Panthers. So I'll have um, Targo if you want. You can pick my Panther if you want. Kikau. No, no. You're clear. What, what's Cleary scoring? Cleary's going to score 160. 160? Whoa. Jeez. How dare you? You've got to trade him in if he's scoring 160. Right? <laughs> I'm just trying to work out how to do it. I can't work out how to do it. <laughs> can't do it. It's that little it. red T. Uh, when you click on a player. <laughs> All right. Well, that might mean that that, that either Pappy, uh, not Pappy, sorry, Teddy or Hines has to go, and that feels so bad. I can't. I don't know. I can't do it. I can't bring in Nathan. Even if it is 160, I can't do it. All right. Swish, uh, Wilf, 
they're changing the way fans interact with athletes. Thousand athletes across Australia and New Zealand, over 200 NRL stars, including Tim's, Nathan Cleary. Uh, Turbo's going to have a bit of time, uh, time on his hands. Teddy, Ryan Pappenhausen. Uh, the best thing about it, 20% of all proceeds are donated between Starlight uh, and Variety Children's Charities. And it's easy, quick and unique gift, simple process and a gift that everyone loves for any occasion. And because you're listening to the Champions Podcast, use the promo code CHAMP for 10% off. So yeah, that, that's obviously our Swiss Supercoach Star Predictions. And quick update on the group comp. So obviously our Supercoach Champions group competition sponsored by our friends at TylerMade. They do stand for excellence in wall and floor tile. So this week, look, it's the NRL physio himself. Brian Sini is actually leading our group. He's ranked 31st right now, wow. which is incredible. I know, he's just braining it. And I dusted him up in draft this week, but I'd rather have his classic rank, so don't tell him I said that. <laughs> but Brian's obviously in the running for our grand prize of 500 bucks for first in our group. And second, we have a $200 voucher to use at nrlshop.com. That's currently going to Spencer, the coach of... Titans bottom four in 90th. So that's an interesting team name there. Um, look, we, we do have to thank the team at Tyler May for their generosity. They donated our prize of 500 bucks. They're a family-owned run business from Brisbane. Tyler May have a team of tile specialists who pride themselves on their honest pricing with no hidden fees and premium customer service. They'll take good care of you in person or you can buy them online at www.tylermaid.com.au. They'll deliver it to anywhere in Australia if need be. So if you are thinking of any new tiles, tools, or anything in between, contact the team at Tyler Maid. Make sure you let them know you heard about them through the Supercoach Champions podcast. Nice. So look, we've gone for ages. We've had a lot of lot of really interesting chat, but we do have to thank people for listening. Uh, we appreciate the support. Uh, obviously, we have to shout out to the champs who are supporting us through Patreon. Uh, it's been really fun at Discord lately and really busy. So if you're not sure what that is, patreon.com slash Supercoach Champions, check that one out. And this is the last round that you can actually sign up to still qualify for our $500 champs only bonus for our group competition. So uh, definitely check that out before uh, the round ends. Otherwise, yeah, you'll miss out. All right. Excellent, guys. Thanks so much for uh, putting up with all my speculation about what's going to happen once PBL cleans up the wrestle. Uh, (laughs) Thanks, guys. Have a good one. uh, And we'll see you next week. Good luck. Cheers. 